Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival. The 8th annual New York City premiere will be October 2023, along with the 5th annual New York Cat Film Festival before traveling the country, supporting local animal welfare groups. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at TracyHotchnerPets.com. I would not be able to bring you this show without the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their kitties. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. This show would not be possible without the longtime support from Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food. Other pet food companies may have copied them over time, but Waruva remains privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards, not investors who focus on profits. I feel like I am unwrapping a Christmas present in the funniest sort of way. As a Mission Meow partner, which I've mentioned before on the show, but it's good to to make people aware again that Mission Meow is a nonprofit as a sort of gatherer of smaller donations from many people everywhere or partners like this show that put more money in the in the hat, if you will. And then Sally Williams, who runs Mission Meow all by herself, gets gets groups, cat groups, around the country, lets them know about the possibility of getting a grant, and then they have to send a grant proposal. And it has to be for something very specific, not for kitty litter or food or vaccinations, all of which are essential, but something bigger, something they couldn't do with the 20 and $25 gifts that come in. So I'm very excited to learn about the Animal Protection Association in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and to welcome Terry Tafflinger to the show and to congratulate you on being a grant winner, Terry. It must have been quite a Christmas present for you as well. It certainly was. We were so super excited because we knew that we were not the actual uh, grant winners for the quarter, um, but Sally and Mr. Meow went above and beyond went out and got additional funds so that they could fund um, our project. And we were just so super excited and grateful um, that they would do that for us. That's lovely. And and so you you were like the bonus. You got the bonus yes. grant. Uh, when I say it's like Christmas morning for me, I totally believe in her mission. 
And my co-host on Cat Chat, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, is on the board of Mission Meow and is a partner herself. So I thought, well, this is a great idea to be able to do something significant with lasting impact for a group that's so many rescue groups or or animal welfare groups just, you know, worry month to month, keep the lights on, keep, you know, keep the, the, uh, the cupboards stocked. So when I learned about the Animal Protection Association, I thought, I'll let you tell me what you do. And then after that, what was the idea you came up with as the thing you wanted to ask for, for, your, for under your tree, so to speak? Sure. So first, uh, Animal Protection Association was founded in 1999 by um, three women who were passionate about helping animals. And over the years, it's called animal because any and any any type of animal was um, fell under the umbrella. Right. Um, the shelter itself has always been cats only. Oh, really? But lots of yes, but lots of other animals um, were were kept in foster in the foster program. Right. Um, along the way, though, when we were looking around the community, we discovered that. There's lots of other rescues doing what we do, but the cat part itself, there's nobody doing just cats. Right. And with that being what our shelter is, that's what we decided, that's where our focus needs to be. So um, we now, all of our fosters and all of our shelters still are only cats. And of course, kittens, kittens being the Seems to be the biggest bulk of and the biggest <laughs> what we problem, the biggest in. burden, the biggest yes. challenge, the biggest. Oh my God, please, not more kittens! <laughs> and so many times a year, people refer to kitten season, and it does get cold in Indiana, which cuts down a little bit on kittens um, being bred and born. But still, they just keep coming. It, without without groups like you that do trap and neuter. And then I guess many of yours are quite tame and can be fostered and then adopted or returned, I'm assuming, in some cases to feral colonies. Is that the case where you are? Well, our focus is pets. Um, And our website is apa-pets.org because we want to focus on pets and adoptable animals. But we do recognize, you know, there are a lot of problem cats out in the community that are just reproducing. So we have set aside funds just to help um, spay and neuter those those pets. That uh, are not, really pets. Well, they're not really pets. Right. The pets the who wild don't cats, have a the feral cat. Don't have a human, right. Yes, Unhoused, yes. purposely on yes. their part because of their nature, let's say. So it's very interesting that you weren't able or there must have been a reason that you didn't change it to Cat Protection Association, even though that's what you've become. What is the reason for that? Just out of curiosity, would it have been very expensive and complicated? That's a good question. Um, I think it's probably, we we do have some, quite a bit of name recognition here in the community. Um, and we just decided that we would stay with the name Animal Protection Association. So how many um, we calls a week our logo, do you, though. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, but how many calls a week do you get from dog people? I need, I want a dog. I want to give up a dog. <laughs> I found a dog. I don't know what to do with the dog. We do get occasionally those, but the vast majority are, are cat-related. Because there, people, there aren't people know dogs our logo so is much. a cat. Yeah. So what was what was your wish? What was on your wish list? What did you come up with 
as I know, I know, I think I know what we can ask for. Well, yes, and, and though anybody that's ever worked in rescue will know how hard it is to raise the funds just to feed and shelter and yes. medicate. So we have been putting off improvements that we need to make to our shelter. And this seemed like a perfect opportunity to get some of those things done. We had some ceiling tiles donated. We couldn't find any volunteers to put them in. So now we can hire someone and replace the ugly stained tiles. Some of them are held up with masking tape um, (laughs) in the shelter. (laughs) That's great. I mean, as you know, those are the things that aren't glamorous, but they really improve quality of life for the people and for the cats. And down the road, the ceiling falls down otherwise, right? That's right. And, and, and you know, it makes the shelter more inviting, too, to visitors that come in to, to visit the cats. Um, we currently have, uh, I think, 35 cats that are actually in the shelter. Wow, that's a lot. And that's where our, yeah, that's where our adult cats are. Most of them are, are free-ranging um, a few a few in cages that have um, some special uh, medical needs or food needs where they're not able to be out uh, roaming amongst the rest of the population. So describe um, the roaming. Is it one big open space or several big open spaces? How do you manage that and, and keep cat um, happiness so that there – obviously it must be a good amount of space for 35 cats so that they're not in each other's face, so to speak. <laughs> well, we do. It is just one big open space with two um, catios attached, so nice. they can have a couple of outdoor spaces they can go to. Um, and there's different levels. I mean, we have walkways for them to go up, and oh, then of cool. course, then there's the floor. And yes, you know, so they're just just different height levels that they can get to if they don't want to be where everyone else is. And that's true of of cats once they get homed or rehomed. To to give them that vertical space is a real gift. Isn't it? I mean, they they like climbing, yeah. but they also like being up and looking down. Every cat's an individual. Yeah. They don't all like it. <laughs> but they certainly, if they're around many other cats, it's like, yeah, I just need some alone time. So that's what your grant paid for was the labor to put up the ceiling tiles that had been donated. That's one of the items. We had several items on the list. Um, we have old fluorescent lighting that we want to upgrade to LED lighting. Um, we have, um, oh, uh, the big one that um, I think uh, is most near and dear to our hearts is a fire alert system. If something were oh to happen at the shelter, we wanted some way to know um, that something's going on so that we get there as quickly as we can. We do have a couple of volunteers that live super close. That would be able to, to, if they knew there was a fire going on, they could get there pretty quickly and, and get, you know, get out as many kitties as they can. Um, but right now we don't have something like that. So that's our first priority is to get that done. And so that needs um, to be, because it's a big, I'm asking, but because it's a big open space, just your average smoke detector wouldn't do it because no one's living there, right? Correct. And yes, the, the shelter is open to the public just one day a week. We do have um, volunteers that come in twice a day to clean and medicate and do all nice. that stuff, but there's not someone there all the time. So by the time someone's left and given everyone their breakfast at 8 a.m., somebody might not come back till 5 p.m., and fires can start. I mean, especially if it's an older building, right? And I'm sure you keep it clean, but cat hair is funny that that it, it can get behind things and cause smoke and fire. Is that right? That's correct, yes. And this is, is an old building that was built um, 
it's part of a uh it's actually owned by the city and was part of the old quartermaster um from World War II um part of that facility that's right next to our, our shelter still. And then at one point it was uh, repurposed by the city to a nine one one call center and then finally they didn't need the space for anything anymore, so um they they offered it to us for our shelter. They don't so, provide any other financial support, but they do provide the they building. They gave you the building. So on the one hand, wow, that's great. You got a building. On the other hand, it's all on you to keep the ceiling up and, and the lights on, but LED being what people need to use nowadays for so many reasons, energy consumption and so forth. But also the idea of fire protection, boy, that must have really rung the bell for, for Mission Meow to think, yeah, we don't want these kitties to be in that kind of jeopardy. You know, it's Correct. interesting, yeah. Terry, but the things you ask for in a kind of Hollywood parlance, it's not sexy. It's not like we want to build the two catios because you managed to do that with your own volunteers and your own equipment. You wanted to do the part, which even in, in universities, you know, the maintenance, the upgrading, it's not attractive or appealing in terms of asking the general public. You ask them for one cat with a broken leg. And everybody wants to give you $10, right? Or, or you know, right. more or less. I mean, it, it tugs at their heart and they get that. But ceiling tiles, that's not so <laughs> like, oh, I, I gave a really nice donation for ceiling tile adhe adhesion. And yet that's what keeps it going. That's what keeps it viable. And it, it, I just think it's wonderful that Mission Meow could could see the things you needed as being really vital to your Comfort, the cat's comfort, but also the safety of the building and the future of the building and the future of the Animal Protection Association. Have you tried or or have been thinking of telling other cat-centric groups that you know of, not necessarily in Indiana, but anywhere in the country, about the Mission Meow grants? Because one of the reasons I like to do these interviews is to let anyone listening know that if you can come up with a, a valid description of what you need to make your cat work more successful and, and better functioning, that's what Mission Meow wants people to ask for, right? So have you told other groups? We have posted on our uh, Facebook page. We have posted it on our website. Right. Um, we don't do a lot of networking with other groups currently, um, other that, than some organizations we belong to that are all pets, not cats. Right. No, that's a good answer, and I haven't asked the other people who got Mission Meow grants if they do that. And I, I was wondering, is there much sharing of, of information or other things, like even cats, with another cat organization. And I think that probably each organization is so all hands on deck to just keep things moving along. There's no time to think, hey, I heard of a great group in Nevada, right, that that does <laughs> something or another with cats. They could they could make a grant too. So it's on me to, to hope, hope that anyone that, that gives to a, to a cat shelter or rescue or TNR group or runs one or volunteers for one, just know that that Terry's group reached out. They put their paw out, and they got the peanut, so to speak. And you did it. At, you got under the wire or not quite under the wire, and Sally said, you know what? This matters, and she she raised some more money. So it's really great to know that Mission Meows there is, I guess, a kind of safety blanket for the sort of things that 
a cat-centric group really needs, and there's no way to do it with the day-to-day money that you need to keep things going. So I'm really happy for you, really happy that I'm some small part of it. And it sounds like your work is going really well. And I hope you have wonderful vets who are doing your spay neuters for you so that one day you won't have to worry about kittens. You can just take care of the adults. I mean, I know that's pie in the sky (laughs) dreaming, but isn't that really the goal in the end, right? That is absolutely the goal, yes, to have zero pet overpopulation. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll just keep working at it. That's right. One kitty at a time. One, One unwanted bunch of kittens at a time. Thanks so much, Terry, for being here and for the great work that you do in Indiana. Take care. Thank you. You take care, too. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. This show is supported by Wonderside, a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective natural way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your pets and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and have been doing that for 14 years and answer only to their own high standards without interference from venture capital investors. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal also privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative Dog Chew No Hide and the hybrid dog food Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky blue Weimarano Maisie will eat.